0: Gamecock Nation, JB here, and I'm here to tell you about my new favorite painting company, A Couple of Painters. These guys are the best. Gamecock fans and excellent painters and by far the best and easiest quote I've received. They're licensed in both South Carolina and Georgia. They offer 10% off for military repeat customers, or if you heard it on the show, commercial and residential painting, deck, fence, and cabin staining, cabinet and furniture refinishing. They'll even remove popcorn ceilings and wallpaper, and they offer pressure washing. Find them on Facebook or call eight 801- zero. Three five two two six eight three two. A couple of painters, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. You're hanging out after hours with Matt Anderson, presented by Inside the Gamecocks. Welcome into the Late Night Gamecock show. This is episode nine. Um, so as always y'all, um, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt Anderson and I am your host for all things Gamecock after Dark. You guys know the drill. You can reach me at night Gamecock show at gmail.com. Again, that's Late night Gamecock show at gmail.com or on the Big Spur message boards under the username Matt Anderson. Thank you guys and gals so much for joining me tonight. Some quick house, housekeeping notes here. Um, just a reminder, this will be the only show this week as I do have some family plans. So I'll be around the message boards, but I'm not going to be in my recording studio for a good portion of this week. So this is the only time you get me. Um, this week, but that's okay. It's always good to spend time with family and and get away for a little bit. So um, we'll look forward to getting back to our regularly scheduled programs, which are two episodes per week next week. Um, Just a reminder, I record episodes on Monday and Thursday nights. So Um, usually Monday nights kind of recapping the weekend with Thursday, um, talking about, you know, the week and and what to look forward to, um, that upcoming weekend in, in Gamecock world. So, um, for tonight's episode, I wanted to take a bit of a break from the recruiting stuff just for a week, guys. Trust me, this is, um, always going to have a heavy recruiting focus on this show, um, but um with me trying to unplug for a little bit, um I'll still be around the message boards, but I kinda kinda wanna let the dust settle in recruiting just for a bit because it's been hectic um covering this recruiting stuff and you know there's a lot of announcements coming up, but we're kind of in a lull where, you know, you have the dead period um where you know kids can't visit campus and you know most of that conversation is happening you know, um, via the telephone or via text messaging or social media between players and coaches. So just, just not a whole lot to report on from, you know, recruiting visits and whatnot. Um, make sure that you do have your calendars, um, set for the end of July when the Gamecocks will have a big cookout. Um, it's an annual tradition. There'll be a handful of, um, 2024 guys, 2025 guys, 2026 guys at the event. It's always, um, well, well, well received from the recruits that are in attendance. So um, we'll kind of let some dust settle um, before a flurry of, you know, potential commitments that are scheduled throughout July and August. And, um, you know, full disclosure here, if um, if I miss anything that happened, you know, between the last episode and this episode, I am rec- recording this episode in advance. So um, there is a there is a chance that, you know, some stuff might pop you know, over the weekend or something like that. But I wanted to make sure I got this episode out for you guys. And the topic of this episode, like we talked about last week, is um, we're going to talk about name, image, and likeness. And we're going to attempt to define it, talk about how it impacts Gamecock athletes. And more than anything, I want to tell you guys what NIL, or name, image, and likeness, likeness is not. So first, what is a name, image, and likeness? Well, you sometimes hear this called NIL for short, and it essentially allows for amateur athletes to profit off their skill sets. Um, if you think about you know, a kid that's super personable and detail-oriented, might be a great um, waiter at a restaurant or she might be a great bartender. And there, there certain skills that go with anything in life. And, and that's how you earn income, right? On basic basic common sense there. I, I, I provide this good or service to you. You pay me money for it. Well, especially in college athletics, it's, it's really difficult for these kids to be able to be able to have a part-time job where they could earn money. Like, you know, other kids that are on full scholarship for academics and can still maintain a part-time job. Just the requirements of a student athlete are, are very, very, very time consuming. Um, you know, I didn't play a sport in college, but um, I do have a brother that was just a walk-on at a college basketball program, and he played all four years there, and despite being a walk-on, he, there was no way he could have had a part-time job between, you know, obviously, travel for games, for practice, for weightlifting, for study hall, for um, scouting, for film review, for actually going to school. Um, You know, it really is a full-time job for these, these college athletes. So name, image, and likeness is is essentially a way for athletes that are brandable to um, earn a little bit extra income for themselves while they're in college. So a lot of people talk about, well, they're getting a full ride to college. That should be enough. Well, while that's great, you know they're not having the opportunity to earn intern, to do internships or have part-time jobs. They can work into full-time jobs. You know the sport they play in, in school are their two um, main main priorities while they're in college. So there are some, there are a lot. Trust me, there are a lot of advantages to being a um, to being a college athlete, but there are some disadvantages too. So let's talk about. How we got to name, image, and likeness. For decades, the National Collegiate Athletic Association, or the NCAA for short, enforced a policy of amateurism. Under this, student-athletes couldn't profit from their name, image, or likeness. They were student-athletes first and foremost, and any hint of professionalism was shunned. The idea was to keep college sports pure and separate from the financial motivations of professional sports. So, you know, think back to, you know, back in, I guess it was the 60s, 70s and 80s, um, you know, professional athletes were not allowed to compete in the Olympics. So, you know, although the United States had the best basketball players in the world, because they were amateurs to, you know, maintain that ability to be in the Olympics. They, they were not professionals. They were not being paid for their, any of their services. So, As the years kind of kind of went by, this um, doctrine of amateurism came under increasing scrutiny. Increasing scrutiny. NCAA and its member schools were just raking in substantial revenue, and that revenue mainly comes from television contracts and different sponsorship deals. Um, So think about how much money. ABC and ESPN and, and Fox Sports and NBC and, you know, you name it, how much money that they have spent on television rights, because television gets eyeballs, which sells advertising. So there's a return on their investment. Um, but when you think about, um, you know, Nike or Air Jordan or Adidas, you know, they are, They are using athletes to sell more sneakers, more tennis shoes, more basketball shoes, more football cleats, baseball bats, you know, you name it, that's what they're doing. So, you know, there's a lot of money that's out there. And, you know, the student athletes are the ones that are not getting a penny from it. So critics argue that this policy was perpetuating, you know, inequality and exploitation of, you know, the athletes, Um, you know, a lot of these athletes, you know, we don't have to dance around it. do come from disadvantaged backgrounds. So, you know, when you're limiting someone's ability to earn extra income, which, you know, if you invest it properly can, you know, turn into a nice little nest egg while you're in college. I mean, I mean, for me, I had a $200 a month budget. I was able to work part time. I saved up a good bit of money. I had internships while I was in college that allowed me to save, you know, quite a bit of money and that allowed me to buy an engagement ring for my wife now. Um, you know, it helped us buy our first home after we got married. So that little nest egg went a long way and that's something that I had, you know, while I was in college. Um, so the boiling point kind of culminated in some legislative action. Um, California passed the fair pay to play act in 2019 so this was groundbreaking legislation. It allowed college athletes to profit from their NIL again, name, image, and likeness. The move triggered a domino effect, um, and various states created their own versions of name, image, and likeness laws, and each had you know pretty unique nuances. Um, it, it really wasn't you know just a flat across the. You know, across the whatever I'm, I'm running short on words here, but, you know, it wasn't something that was just, you know, flat across the, the whole, the whole um, environment atmosphere. So there was some growing pressure there from multiple fronts. Um, you know, on July 1st, 2021, the NCAA suspended the rules that prohibited athletes from profiting from NIL. And that is the era of sports that we are in at the college level right now. Um, We talk about it all the time on this show, but between NIL and the transfer portal, you know, there are opportunities now for athletes to transfer freely without sending out a year um, to profit off of, you know, what they bring to the table in some ways and you know, under these new NIL rules, college athletes can engage in activities such as endorsing products. You know, you might have seen the women's basketball team in South Carolina especially got really um, well connected with a bunch of different um, companies that wanted them to endorse their products. And you see it all over their social media. Um, athletes are now allowed to sign autographs for money. They can get paid for appearances, you know, coming to an event and making an appearance, signing some autographs, shaking some hands. They can get paid for that now. Um, They can even monetize their social media platforms. And that's a huge deal, y'all, because right now everybody is connected to their phone and social media and Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and all those things. So when you have a big enough, you know, fan base behind you at such a young age, it, it really is kind of ridiculous that, that kids aren't able to make money off of that. So In essence, athletes are now entrepreneurs while still in school. Uh, The exciting aspect of the NIL changes is that they open a frontier, not just for star quarterbacks or, you know, awesome point guards or the Gigi Jacksons of the world, but for all student athletes. So even those less popular sports have an opportunity to benefit financially from their name, image and likeness. And that potentially offers some financial stability during their college years. You know, I had a lot of friends that played football at the University of South Carolina. A lot of them were on my intramural basketball team. I had a lot of friends that played basketball at South Carolina when I was there. And, you know, they do get some per diem. They do get like the Pell Grant, but, you know, I was making, I, me personally was making more money than, you know, the college athletes that I knew when I was in college, which is, you know, not fair. That's <laughs> the bottom line. It's not fair because if they had you know, gone to the Russell house and signed a hundred autographs, they could have got like 10 bucks a pop there. And they could have been that every day while they were on campus. So, I mean, I think back on um, one of the, one of the gifts that I gave my brother, you know, when he was still, you know, in high school was I had all the guys on the football team that I knew just pass a football around the locker room and got, you know, the entire football team to sign it. Um, and that was golly. That was the six and six year. That was the year the Gamecock started six and one and lost their next five games. But you know those guys like you know Jasper and Casper Wrinkley were on that team. Wesley Saunders was on that team. Um, Melvin Ingram was on that team. Travian Travian Robertson was on was on that team. So we I mean, just think about how much that ball would have been worth to you know any other fan, and that was something they just did for free. Um, you know they couldn't make any money on it, not that they would have you know charged me but but still, you know so what's cool now is that you know these kids are and I, I call them kids it's crazy to think that you know me at at thirty four years old are now talking about these 18, 19 and twenty year olds as kids, even though I kind of feel like I'm still their age sometimes but You know, where I had the internships, I was able to, you know, develop business skills, gain experience in negotiating contracts, you know, building a personal brand. You know, my brand isn't that brand of a future NFL player, NBA player, but my brand was, you know, finance and accounting. And so I got internships where on my resume, it showed, you know, the places that I worked in finance and accounting. And that helped me land multiple jobs after college. So you know, they can start working on their personal brand. They can start managing finances instead of just, you know, you know, what money they have in their pocket. Now they're able to, you know, manage a business. Um, they're essentially getting a crash course and the real world skills that extend beyond the playing field. So those are all good things. So I like for people to remember that when we're talking about NIL, like the majority of these kids are doing it the right way. They're, they're you know, participating in NIL for the right reasons. But, you know, don't be naive. We can't be naive about it. You know, the NIL era does bring its own set of challenges. Um, You know, you talk about commercialization of kids. You know, a lot of these kids might be taken advantage of. Um, You know, there's unethical people that have been around sports for a while. I think about the AAU basketball scene and and college recruiting, especially basketball. But, you know, there are sharks in the water that are trying to feast on a quick payday. So it's important that, and and South Carolina does a really good job of this, by the way, but it's really important to put these kids around, you know, folks that are already established and successful in their particular careers and are not looking at these kids as, you know, a cash cow, like an agent might. So the last thing we want is, you know, these young athletes to be exploited for money when they're just trying to take advantage of, you know, of a an ability to earn income that wasn't, you know, around prior to 2019, 2021. So, you know, there are some pitfalls there. There are some things that, you know, you got to watch out for. But this NIL just marks such a significant shift in college athletics. Um, It's really a step toward fairness, a chance for athletes to share in the profits they help create. And this era offers the you know, the promise of really and truly transforming the lives of college athletes, offering new opportunities, um, personal development, all those things that we've talked about. So, you know, there's going to have to be some oversight here. Um, you know, you don't want, I don't know the best way to say it, but, you know, you don't want to make it so a, a, an, indiv- an individual or a person is ever capped, on, you know, their level of financial income that they can, they can ascertain. I mean, right. Because in the free market, there's no rule that says, you know, if I create this widget that everybody wants, that I can only manufacture 1 million of them and then I'm done, you know, it's whatever the market will bear. So we got to make sure that with NIL, we're putting these kids around folks that have their best interests at heart, you know, kind of minimize those downsides, And, you know, it's an exciting new journey um, and one that definitely has the potential to redefine what it means to be a college athlete in the United States. Um, I think about college basketball specifically here. And if you look at, okay, let's go back to last season, like Kentucky, Oscar Sheboy, you know, he was one of the highly publicized kids that received, you know, a large amount of NIL with the number kind of, you know reported at like $2 million, right? And that's not something that I'm giving away anybody's finances. It was widely reported throughout, you know, the college basketball scene. And, you know, anyone that listens to some college basketball podcasts probably knew that number. But for Oscar Shivway, he was not going to be high NBA draft pick. He probably wasn't going to be a first rounder. I mean, I don't think he was even drafted this year. So to make $2 million and to come from the background that he did, You know, he sent virtually every penny he got back to his home country and, you know, was building schools and hospitals and, you know, helping people out financially. Like that's a that's a that's a great thing that happened with NIL. You look at Gonzaga and Drew Timmy, um, probably the best basketball player in Gonzaga, Gonzaga's history. You know, it's a rich history for now for the last 25 years or so. You know, one of the reasons he decided to come back to Gonzaga for his senior year was because of the name, image, and likeness money that he was going to receive. You know, he was such a popular player that, you know, he didn't have to go to the professional ranks and get lost in obscurity in in Europe playing basketball or in the NBA G League. You know, he could make money while still, you know, bettering himself in college and, and you know, continuing his degree and his education. And that's a good thing. So, I mean, how does this all relate to Gamecock athletes? Well, I'll kind of break it down for you. Um, There are two main name, image, and likeness collectives in place that are associated with Gamecock Athletics, and those collectives being the Garnet Trust and Carolina Rise. And they both help the university's athletes in in different ways. I'll dive into each of them a little bit later on. But, you know, the other thing that college athletes of South Carolina – can do now is partner with local and national companies slash brands to promote products and services. So some examples, a player could have an NIL deal with a car dealership and they either earn enough money to purchase a car or given the use of a personal vehicle for promoting that car dealership. A restaurant could provide NIL agreements to players and the players can then participate in meet and greets at the restaurant. Players can partner with trading card companies to create sports cards of themselves to sell where they earn a portion of the revenue. Obviously, clothing and apparel companies might partner with a a player to to promote their brands. And, And, you know, this stuff's already so prevalent in AAU basketball especially, where Nike sinks their teeth into these kids when they're really young and, you know, they identify, you know, the. The best players, I mean, Nike spends probably just as much money scouting 13, 14 year olds as NBA teams do scouting Europe or, you know, the college ranks you know, year in and year out. So the idea there is you know, find the next LeBron James, the next Michael Jordan, the next Kyrie Irving, the next, you know, you pick the athlete that's brandable. And all of a sudden kids are you know probably going to go to a school that's affiliated with Nike when they go to college for their one year if they go. Okay, so big picture here. Why does that matter? The university has a contract with Nike or Under Armour in the Gamecocks case where Under Armour agrees to pay South Carolina, University of South Carolina X amount of dollars. Well, South Carolina University as it stands as an academic institution is of no value to Under Armour. It's all about the product that's on the field and on the court. That you know provides Under Armour money, so the players don't see a single penny from Under Armour. The coaches do, you know. That's how the coaches' um, salaries are paid, and the university sees money, and that helps bolster the rest of the academic institution. So then you also have the TV deals, <clears throat> and we talked about this a little bit earlier. But you know, those are billions of dollars in 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 deals that these you know college conferences are you know establishing with Fox or ESPN or ABC you know pick pick your you know where you watch college football and college basketball and baseball throughout the year and and the conference gets that money well then <clears throat> the conference keeps x amount of dollars and then after that the uh, some leftover money is split up around all the institutions in that conference so you know while um, it's a great deal for the university as an institution. It's a really bad deal for the athletes that are, you know, risking injury to play, you know, play professionally. And only 3% or less of college athletes, you know, end up playing a sport, playing, you know, a sport professionally that they played in college. I mean, one of my favorite stories of all time is, you know, I mentioned my brother earlier, who was a walk-on college basketball player and, you know, walk-ons are still required to do everything that the, the scholarship athletes have to do. And, you know, one time after a particularly bad loss, um, the coach decided that he was going to, you know, run the team and make them run suicides and do all these jumping exercises, you know, back and forth. And it went on and on and on until, you know, he asked everyone to toe the line. And my brother said, Coach, with his hands on his knees, I'm one of those... Division one athletes that are going pro in something other than sport I play, I got to tap out right now. And the coach kind of realized like, wow, I'm, not, I'm, I'm pushing these kids pretty hard. And It's kind of a funny joke, but that's the reality for a lot of these athletes. So, you know, remember that when it comes to, you know, the amount of money these guys are receiving. And and really quick, everybody is not getting a million dollars a year or two million dollars a year, Most of the time it's, it's much more in the realm of a couple hundred dollars a month or maybe a thousand dollars a month or a couple thousand dollars a month. But it's not, it's not these astronomical sums of money that, you know, someone would have to work 30 years to get what a college athlete gets in, you know, say one or two years or three years when it comes to college football, potentially four years. So, you know, I, I want people to understand that you know this isn't life changing money for these kids. It's 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 a little bit of change in their pocket. You know, about the same amount of money that someone could could make as a part time job in college most of the time. Now, are there exceptions? Of course, there are uh, there are exceptions. I mean, you know, if the world knew what Michael Jordan was going to be when he was you know hit that game winner in North Carolina as a freshman. I think a lot of people would have been trying to pay Michael Jordan a lot of money to represent their brands earlier in his career. So, you know, it's a it's a risk on the the companies that partner with these athletes too because they need to see a return on their investment. And I think long term these companies aren't going to be throwing bookoos of money at these kids or these collectives aren't going to be throwing bookoos of money at these kids because the, the market will stabilize. So here the key here is the athlete has to do something you know, to receive the money in the old days, it was, you know, money in a brown paper bag, or, you know, you've heard the infamous McDonald's bags where kids got McDonald's after practice and it was full with hundred dollar bills. Like it's not like that. So, you know, all this stuff is regulated. You know, they have to show receipts and the kids have to do something. And we talked a little while ago, what the kids can do, you know, Sell some autographs. They can go to events. They can, you know, represent a car dealership. You know, you know, partner with Nike, whatever. But at South Carolina, what was really cool was Park Avenue was put in place. And Park Avenue is a professional marketing firm that establishes relationships with national and local brands for um, athletes of all walks of life, not just college athletes. However. What ended up happening was that at one point the university was able to spend the amount of money that it took to um, partner with Park Avenue. Well, now um, due to state laws and you know maybe national laws, I'm not exactly you know 100 on the particulars here, but the university is no longer allowed to foot the bill for Park Avenue, which means that you know Park Avenue, who doesn't take a dime from the players, you know their commission is paid by you know was paid by the university and it was just a flat rate fee. So now we're having to wait through some legislation and see if we can get Park Avenue back as it was intended. But Park Avenue is not a project that's completely on hold. They're still able to do some things, but just not the magnitude that we were, we were talking about before. And, you know, the big deal about Park Avenue and how why it was so important for the University of South Carolina wasn't that it would only cater to the megastar athletes on campus, but athletes across all sports with varying degrees of revenue generated – you know, would Park Avenue help negotiate, you know, a deal with Nike for, you know, Spencer Rattler if they wanted him? Of course they would. But, you know, well, they're also looking for, you know, the relationship with, you know, Rush's, you know, popular, you know, burger burger chain in the Columbia area to say, hey, you know, this guy is really fast. You know, wouldn't it be cool to have him up on ads because Rush's is, you know, great food fast, right? So, I mean, those were the kind of deals as well. But, I mean, if you think about it, you know, the the big deal was that all of a sudden a woman's soccer player who had some markability to her was going to be able to make a couple thousand dollars a month, you know, potentially, or a couple hundred dollars a month, or you know, the walk ons on the football team were going to be able to get enough money to get their books paid for. Um, just little things like that, you know, helping with gas money. So, you know, you do some jobs for somebody, you do some branding, and all of a sudden you got gas money. So it's a big deal. Um, so through the NIL, NIL collectives like Carolina Rise and the Garnet Trust, individuals can donate any amount of money they would like to the collectives. And then the collectives work on behalf of the players to secure NIL agreements for the players. So it's not to the scale that Park Avenue is able to able to and, and will be able to again, um, you know, assist these players. But it's still very important. I'm not going to list out each and every player that has an NIL NIL deal at South Carolina, but you know, one, because it's their business and it's not mine. Uh, But you know, please realize that a large portion of players on campus have some sort of NIL deal. Um, the players that are highly marketable and are in great demand, um, you know, they're going to make more than some players that might not be as marketable or, you know, have a brand there. And that's okay. I mean, that's just still free market. I have no problem with that at all. So I know more about Carolina Rise, so I'm going to speak to that side of the collectives that are in place right now. But J.C. Sherbert, who has been around college recruiting for decades, created Carolina Rise to help players secure NIL deals. So the best way to think about these collectives is just that. It's a collective. There aren't 10,000, you know, 15,000, 20,000 Gamecock fans with you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars that they can freely donate each and every year to a collective or the university. There's just not that many of them. There's, you know, probably a handful to a hundred, you know, donors that, are, that donate a sizable amount to the, to the university every single year. However, when you think about a collective, think about, you know, are there 10,000 fans of the University of South Carolina that would be willing to donate, say, $5 per month to help student athletes secure NIL deals. Yeah. A hundred percent, you know, I mean, yeah. So, you know, when you think about that, okay, let's just say 10,000 people times $5 per month. All of a sudden you have $50,000 per month or $600,000 per year to help these student athletes. And, and really that's what we're looking for. You know, that's that's the main goal here. Get as many people as you possibly can to donate $5 a month. And, the, and, and it just, you know, it adds up. So what people don't realize is that the collectives don't just help get big recruits to transfer to South Carolina. But like I said, it also helps non-scholarship players in each sport gain some sort of income. I mean, like I said earlier, I know that when I was in college, I lived off a budget of $200. Could I have spent more each month? Yeah, but you know, $50 a week for a kid that had a meal plan and you know his parents helped him out with his his apartment that was plenty that was plenty for me but $200 doesn't go that far when you think about textbooks, gas, food, etc. So it's not a bad thing for kids to get some pocket change and have the ability to earn some money while in school. In addition to helping all athletes, NIL can be very helpful in recruiting. Most schools don't come out and just say, come here and we'll get you a million dollar NIL deal. But what a lot of schools do say is if you come to our university, you know there are NIL collectives and companies that support Gamecock athletes that you will have the opportunity to connect with and discuss the possibility of earning some money. For some kids, having a connection to a car dealership that sees the value in a student-athlete driving one of their cars... It can really help out that kid and the company. Most college kids that I knew and, you know, the folks that I hung out with in college that didn't have, you know, the newest, nicest cars, you know, they were mostly reliable to get from point A to point B. But I had some friends that like don't drive this car on the interstate, you know, kind of deal. So, you know, if you haven't got that kind of partnership with a car dealership, that's a win win for both parties. And that's what NIL is all about. It's a win win for all parties. I mean, I always thought, and we talked about it, I always thought it was crazy that players couldn't sell their autographs you know, when they, until they became professional. Well, now they can do that. Players are also being educated on how to make good business decisions. I mean, look at Spencer Rattler. He has an entire apparel line that he owns and manages with his trademark logo. So that's really cool that kids can use their talent and their creative minds to become entrepreneurs at a younger age. Those are the skills that will take the majority of them way farther than a football field or basketball court ever could. I always think about like, you know, Shaquille O'Neal and Peyton Manning, you know, as soon as they got around people that were educated about money and, you know, could help advise them, they began to diversify their income into other vehicles of revenue streams. I mean, Peyton Manning, I think owns like 200 Papa John's or something, you know, Shaq owns like, like, I want to say Shaq has, owns, you know, franchises in over 30 companies. So, you know, Shaq figured out quickly that, you know, you can turn $1 into $5 and $5 into $25 and $25 into a hundred dollars pretty darn quickly if you're making smart financial decisions. And that's a big benefit. And I think that's what these kids are going to be, are, are hopefully being able to do. So, you know, what can you do to help? Well, obviously, you can donate a few bucks per month. That really, really does help. But what what would be great is to donate a few bucks per month and then and then educate others on why it's not just a money grab for these players. For the vast majority of these kids, it's not life-changing money. They still have to work in the classroom. They still have to work in the sport of their choice. And, and that's, that's a lot of commitment. Remember that as well. I always ask folks, you know, how would you feel if your son or daughter went to college and were able and capable of earning extra income while keeping their grades up, but they were not allowed to do so. You wouldn't think that was very fair. Neither do I. That's why I support collectives and their initiatives. If it helps me by enjoying a better product when the Gamecocks play, Hey, that's even better because I sure do get a lot of enjoyment watching the Gamecocks sports teams succeed. Um, I mean, heck, I'm doing a Gamecock podcast, so obviously I care and want the Gamecocks to win every game they play. And in my heart, I feel like they're going to win every game they play. But, you know, feel free to ask me any questions that you might have about NIL and collectives. I'm happy to talk with anyone about them and, and, you know, why they're so important. Just remember that NIL is a win-win. Imagine if half of the fans at williams Bryce paid an extra $5 for each home game or, you know, they got one less beer at the game and gave that money to a collective. So by the last time I checked, Williams Bryce holds around eighty thousand fans. So if you do forty thousand fans, so half of them, at five dollars, you know, per game, it's seven games, home games per year, that's one point four million dollars. That's plenty of financial support to fund a successful NIL program for Gamecock athletes. Don't get bogged down in these, you know, collectives that have five million, eight million, twelve million dollars. Yeah, that's great. But, you know, at some point, these collectives are going to say my return was not what I invested. And so you, you don't need eight, ten million dollars, one, one and a half, two million dollars a year. And you will have a top notch NIL program, especially with the way that, you know, Shane Beamer and this staff, you know, picks the kids that that they recruit and the kids that, you know, want to transfer into South Carolina. You know, for some kids, yeah, it is all about the money. But those aren't the kids that you want in your program. That's not the kids that Shane Beamer is going after. The sweet spot is to find those kids, you know, and by and large, most of these kids are like this, but the kids that see the potential for great things in South Carolina for their their education, their degree, their life after college, the connections they make while they're in school and the fun they can have in their respective sports and winning. Obviously, winning, winning cures a lot of ails. And, you know, when you're winning, kids are having fun and they want to be a part of your program. Those are the kids where the right people in charge of the right collectives can make a difference in wins and losses for the fans. So it all starts with that collective. Everybody pitches in, not one, not relying on five to six mega donors. And then when they don't see their return, they're out. You know, in any business, you don't want, you know, you don't want more than like one and a half to three percent of your annual revenue to come from, you know, one individual client. So, you know, why would you want to do that in a collective? No, you want as many people involved in the collective as possible donating small amounts of money. So if somebody hits, you know, hits on hard times, that $5 a month or $25 a month isn't going to kill you. So I'll put it this way. If South Carolina could offer you, you know, the listener right now, 1.5 times the money that Clemson could through NIL and, and the schools were pretty much even in your mind of where you wanted to go to school or where you wanted to play you know, where would you go to school? You probably go to the school that would offer you one and a half times the money, you know, through NIL deals and partnerships and branding that the other school could. So that's what NIL collectives can do for schools. It, It might be the difference in a player picking Ohio state instead of South Carolina. You know, it matters if you guys like signing kids like Nicholas Harbor and Dylan Stewart, then that's the battle that exists now in name, image and likeness in the transfer portal world that we live in. You know, Dylan Stewart and, you know, I'm just Dylan Stewart's hypothetical because he's, you know, the number one kid in the country, you know, top 10 recruit on pretty much every website, you know, our number one target. But, you know, if Ohio State and South Carolina are even in his mind you know to some degree or maybe even South Carolina is a slight favorite, but, you know, his his branding opportunities and his ability to market himself are greater at Ohio State. And he, you know, goes to a traditionally blue blood winning program. You know, there's not, there's not a heck of a lot of downside for him, but, you know, if South Carolina could say, you know, offer a little bit more opportunity on the NIL side of things, and he already has, you know, a lot of love for the university, don't you think that would make a difference? I, I, I sure do. And who knows the rules might change in the future, but in the here and now, the most important thing any fan can do to help their favorite college program is to donate a few bucks a month to a collective like Carolina rise it's the power of numbers and for the and for the first time in my lifetime the average fan of South Carolina can do something about their team's on field and on the court success so that's my request of each of you listening try and find a few dollars a month to give to carolina rise or garnet trust then tell five friends to do the same you know educate people on this so that it can help the gamecocks um it, Take a look at Carolina Rise's website at carolinarise.com to learn more or just reach out to JC Sherbert, but educating people, and this isn't a money grab, and this is a good thing, you know, is the, will be the linchpin. And if this is successful for the Gamecocks or not, well, everyone, it's that time of night. It's all the time we have tonight. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the late night Gamecock show. As always, you can reach me at show at gmail.com. Again, that is late show at gmail.com. Or you can find me on the Big Spur message boards under the username Matt Anderson. I hope that you all have a great night and we'll talk soon.